what happened to joy? The Holy Spirit yearns. He, I, I believe he's yearning to bring God's people back to a place of serving him with gladness. To serving him with gladness. Uh, and, and I believe he's grieved. I, believe the, I, believe, I don't believe the Holy Spirit was, was happy at my condition the last couple of weeks. My wife was sad. If my wife was sad, I, I believe the Holy Spirit was... I don't believe the Father is sitting there seeing one of his children be so depressed and downcast and, 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 and heart feeling like a, a brick and, and, and can find no pleasure in serving him. And, I, and, 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 and so I believe the Holy Spirit is yearning, and I see that week after week on, your, on our faces, all of our faces. Maybe you see it on mine, I see it on your faces. And I believe uh, the, what we've been through uh, over the last several years or, or, or many years for some of us in our lives that that we uh, that that we've allowed a place of despair and sadness to befall us. And listen to what the Word of God commands over and over again. Look at what it says in Psalms 100, 1 through two, uh, two. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Look at what He says in Proverbs ten twenty eight. He goes on to say, the hope of the righteous shall be a gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. We should have hope and gladness today. And look at what he says in Psalm 68 and 3. He goes on to say, but let the righteous be glad. God wants you to be glad. He doesn't want your faces looking like this all the time. He wants you to be glad. But if you're down in this, it's not going to be in this, right? He wants this heart to be glad. Let them rejoice before God. That's what we were doing a while ago. Let them rejoice. Some of your doctrine of your theology that you grow in doesn't allow you to do this. But God allows you to do that. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Exceedingly. Don't you exceedingly rejoice when Georgia won yesterday, uh, Mr. Corey? Yes. So, go, can't we exceedingly rejoice that God has won? Hallelujah. Yes, Isaiah 12 and 3. Therefore with joy shall you draw out of the waters of salvation, the wells of salvation. Look at Psalms 5. Let all those who put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Your God defends you. Amen. He, he defends us. Now look at what the Bible calls joy. Look, go to the next slide and look at what it says. Joy means pleasure, delight, exhilaration of spirit, excitement caused by hope. Some of you are hopeless, therefore you cannot have joy. Rejoice means joy in the highest degree. To be intensely glad. Happiness means fully contented. Is anybody fully contented in here? No, a lot of us aren't. No, we're not. Let's be honest. I'd rather you be honest. Right. Fully contented. Extensive pleasure. Do you have pleasure in being at church? Do you have pleasure in serving God? Do you have pleasure in knowing God? No, I did it one time, but I haven't lately. And I can see a lot of you haven't in a long time either. So, so how, many Christians do you, how many Christians do you know like that? How many Christians do you know like that, Harlan? How many Christians do you know that are exhilarating, excited, intensely glad, fully contented? My cup is full and running over. Amen? 
Jesus said this. He said, when they shall separate you out of their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Now that sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? It really does. It sounds ludicrous. That, but if God hadn't have told us that, it sounds ridiculous that Jesus would tell us. It almost sounds ridiculous. But he says, if they put you out, if they reproach you for my name, if they cast you out in my name as an evil person, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. And so the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me, Brad Lindsay, on this matter of serving him with gladness. Serving the Lord with gladness. Brad, do you serve me with gladness? And does it really matter? Because a lot of times you may think, well, there's too much going on in the world. There's wells over in Africa that need to be built. There are people starving over in other countries. There are people far less uh, fortunate than us. So surely he doesn't care about our long faces this morning. Surely he doesn't care whether we're miserable this morning in his presence. But I got news for you. He wants us to have gladness when we come before him. It's just as important, this matter, as other matters that are going on in the world right now. Right now, and God is beginning to deal with me on this. Does it, you know, well, I, I was asking, does it really matter? Because, I, you know, God, you understand I'm only human, right? Right, you understand. But, but, but listen, I want to show you in the Word of God this matter. Uh, and I want, I want everybody's attention because I see people talking and I see people doing other things that aren't up on this. And, and God sees you too. And so you need to be attentive to what God's doing in this place. You might be changed this morning. The matter of serving Him with joy and gladness and excitement and exhilaration is taken most seriously by God. Listen, the Old Covenant picture, there's an Old Covenant picture of, of, of that shows us the seriousness of rejoicing in the presence of God. When they went to Mount Ebal and they went to Mount Gerizim, and you remember there was blessing on one mountain and there was cursing on another mountain, and here's what happened on Mount Ebal. God pronounced a terrifying curse. He said, if you don't obey me, then these six tragedies are going to come upon you. And he began to list them, that slavery will come upon you, hunger will come upon you, thirst will come upon you, nakedness, lack of all things, the yoke of iron will come upon your neck, and you'll be destroyed if you don't. And what could cause that terrible sin, that terrible curse to come upon the people? Well, number one, we would all probably get the answer. Number one is disobedient to the Lord's commandment. That's what the old covenant was. You obey my commandment, you'll have my blessing. You disobey my commandments, all these six things will come upon you and you'll be destroyed. But do you know what the second thing he lists there is? Look at it. Deuteronomy 28, 47 and 48. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, these things are going to come upon you. I think he takes this matter of joyfulness serious. Gladness in his presence. He takes it pretty seriously. What about the new covenant? Well, you know, in the, in the new covenant, it tells us that when the glory of God touches our soul, it says he doesn't look at the countenance outward. So sometimes we do walk around and we have a bad day. We go through something. We go through something tragic. We, our faces are long. But what he does tell us in the new covenant is he looks upon the heart. And when God comes in the heart, he bursts in the heart and he changes the heart and he takes out the stony heart and he puts a new heart and he begins to transform us in the heart from image to image and glory to glory by the Spirit of God and the, what He touches inside eventually comes on the outside. 
It eventually radiates because even in the old covenant, the Bible says their face shined with the glory of God. And he says we have a better covenant at work inside of us. We have something far more exceeding than that which vanishes away. We have something that lasts forever. It's the, we have something when the Spirit of God comes inside of us and the joy of the Lord comes inside as our strength that it, it affects us and it changes us. Well, Joel predicted this day that we're living in right here and these faces before me. He predicted a day when joy would wither in the house of God. And here's what he said in Joel 1. Yea, joy and gladness is cut off from the house of God. Joy is withered away from the sons and daughters of men. He talked about the drying up of, uh, of joy and gladness that would be evident everywhere. And it's evident everywhere in our day. So many today of God's people look so sad. They look so defeated because they, they've lost the joy of the Lord. Christians seem as lonely, as blue, and as fearful as unbelievers in this day and, day and age. It has become a, a disgraceful testimony to the world. It is a disgraceful advertisement for Jesus Christ the way that we're living today. As believers on the face of the earth, the unbelievers can see no difference in us and joy in our heart than what they receive from the pleasures of the world. They cannot see it and they need to see it. And so with, the, with what attitude are you serving God today? Because this is what God began to deal with me on. What attitude are you serving? Uh, Brad, with what attitude are you serving me? Are you serving me by obligation? Are you just obligated to go each Sunday and bring a message? Is that all you're doing? You just come forth half-hearted? and you just come forth and just grab a sermon so that you can come and do what you do every Sunday. You just come and sing half-heartedly up there. You might raise your hand if you feel led. You might not if you've had a bad day today. You just come in my presence with, without gladness and without singing. Sometimes you sing. Sometimes you're distracted by the noise of, of something across the way. Sometimes you're looking around in the back and yawning. And most of all, you're just thinking of what time will this be over so we can get out of here. And the Bible says that Christ can fill our hearts with the highest degree of joy. That He can fill our hearts with glory, joy. Where it overflows in our conversations. Where it overflows at Walmart. Where it overflows at the Thanksgiving table and at the Christmas table. Where there's enough joy overflowing in my soul that it begins, that, it, that, that, uh, that, uh, that I'm changed. And now I'm not a murmur and a complainer. But the joy of the Lord is coming out of my mouth. So let me give you uh, three reasons why joy is withering. Three reasons why joy is withering. Number one, we have grown weary of the way. Number one, we've grown weary of the way. There needs to be some repentance going on today. And if there's repentance going on, there will be rejoicing that will come following repentance. And I don't care if you've been a Christian in this house for years. I don't care how old you are and how young you are. This ought to be hitting you right here between the eyes because it hit me. It ought to be hitting pastors. It ought to be hitting teachers. It ought to be hitting everybody in this place. Isaiah says that in his day, he talked and prophesied about a time when he said the people would become weary and bored. Weary and bored. Like I see on most of your faces each week. Weary and bored like I see on you teenagers right now. Some of your very faces talking to each other, not paying attention to the message, and we need to get to a place where the reverence and fear of God fall once again. 
And Isaiah 43 says, Thou hast been wearied and bored of me, O Israel. Thou hast made me to serve with your sins. Thou hast wearied me with your iniquities. Malachi was so grieved over God's house. He said this, You said, Behold, what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. They were bored in Malachi's day in the temple. They were bored. They were monotonous. They went through the motions. They were concerned with making money. The priest, that's all they cared about was taking up offerings and making uh, and, and, and taking money from the people. They were going through the motions. The heart was no longer in it. They were dra- dragging unwilling uh, sacrifices that were to the, to the temple to sacrifice them. Blind with all kind of spots on them. All kind of filthy, nasty sacrifices that they begin to say, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. Just get any old sheep over there. Just bring them. Who cares? It's got a blight on it, Daddy. I don't care. Just bring it on. And that's what they begin to come to the house of God. Just like we come today with our stinking, rotten attitudes, with our bad sacrifice of praise, with our terrible things that we come into the house of God with. And I'm not fussing at you, I'm fussing at me, because this is what I've been dealing with. Maybe I'm not talking to you. I'm sharing about what went on in Brad Lindsay over the last several weeks and years. Okay? So pray for your pastor. Bringing weak sacrifices Priests did nothing without money. No joy and pleasure in it. The temple worship was a farce. They moved slow. Everybody please stand. No pleasure. We adore thee. Hey, hey, hey. No life, no excitement, no joy in God, no joy in church, no pleasure. Half-hearted singing, half-hearted giving in the offering, half-hearted preaching. And rejoiced when it was over. Good Good message, preacher, if you hadn't been so long. Sad and bored because given, uh, they were given uh, in helplessness and pointlessness. What's the use in all this? We pray and nothing happens. What's the use in all this? Things just continue as they always have been. What's the use in coming here anymore? We just, the, 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 it just keeps going on as usual. And that's the place that they got. And listen to what it says in Malachi 3.14. You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is there in it? We have kept his ordinances and that we have walked mournfully uh, before the Lord's house. What's the use? What's the use uh, in, in working so hard to please God? What's the use in trying to stay pure? What's the use? It doesn't seem to pay off because of this, the monotony of the people and the way they were doing the altar and the way they were doing the sacrifice. It, it eventually calls the people of God to give up. Just to give up. Like most empty chairs in here. They just give up. Just give up on God. Give up on church. 
Since there's no life in God's house and, and since the altars were so monotonous and the people, they just simply gave up. And that's a picture of today. As important as the role of the church is, though, you know what? Don't blame the church because I hear everybody doing this. Well, that pastor, he doesn't preach like this. Well, they don't sing like this. Well, they don't. No, as important as the church is, guess what? It's your fault if you don't have joy and gladness. Don't blame your loss of joy and gladness on the preacher. Don't blame it on the church because listen what it says. It's your personal responsibility. Look at, listen to what he says in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Let us not grow weary, saints of God, in well-doing. Brad, I don't care what the church is doing. I don't care if it's growing or it's diminishing. Do not let us be weary, Brad Lindsay, and well-doing. Keep doing what I've called you to do and do it with joy and gladness. Do it with a smile on your face. Do it as if there was a 101 or 51 or 21 or 10 or 1. Do it with all your might. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with singing. Know that He is God. Amen. Paul had to stand alone on many occasions. Listen to what he wrote to Timothy, and he said this in 2 Timothy 4, 16. At my first answer, nobody stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood by me, and the Lord strengthened me. God will strengthen you. It's not the responsibility of this church. God will strengthen you. Stand by the Lord. He will make you strong. The Bible is full of people who maintain the joy through trials. Joshua and Caleb, they sent out 10, 12 spies, 10 spies, uh, all of them come back with the, the 10 come back with the evil report, but two, two stand in the strength of the Lord. Two come back with faith in their heart, no matter what they're going through and against all odds, and they begin to know, hey, we can take the lamb. We stand with God. Also, Daniel and the three Hebrew children that we talked about last week, no matter what was going on, a whole society was turning against God. The church was turning against God. Everybody was turning against God. But these three young men had joy through the fiery furnace. God took them through the fiery furnace with joy on their heart and they were standing in the fire rejoicing with a fourth man in the fire. Amen. And there's example after example after example after example of people that shine forth as beautiful examples, even in the midst of fiery furnaces, even in the midst of lion's den, even in the midst of difficult stones, stoning, shipwrecks, beatings, all kinds of things that are going on. They stand and shine forth as an example that God is with them in the fire and they maintain their joy even in the midst of trials. And that's what I'm saying, God, I failed you. The last few weeks, but dear God, help me. I don't want to be a man that fails you in the days ahead. I want to have fire, uh, joy in the midst of the trial. Our joy and gladness is the result of knowing we are under the protective wings of God. Listen to what he says. It comes from a trust. It comes from a trust. You're my shelter through it all. You're my refuge and my strength. Lord, I hide in the shadow of your wings. Come on, you're my shelter through it all. It comes from a trust. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. 
in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. Joy is withering because we've grown weary in the way, folks. Some of us need to repent. We need to say we've been going through the motions. We've been in the way, but we haven't been in the way like I was in 1994. And God, I am sorry. I've let trials, I've let circumstances, I've let difficulty, I've let problems bring me to a place where I've just become religious and I'm in a religious rut. Dear God, get me in the way and put me in the way that is right. Amen. And let me trust you under the shadow of your wing. Amen. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Amen. Number two, the second reason why joy is withering. Number one is because of we've, we've, we've come out of the way. But number two, uh, the second reason that joy is lost is because fear takes root. Fear takes root. It was the first thing my wife asked me. She started saying, what are you afraid of? I said, I, I don't know if I'm afraid of anything right now. I always think about the future and stuff, but that really wasn't what my heart was weighed down at this time. I think more the other, but, uh, but, but, but it does. Fear does take, take root in our hearts sometimes, and it steals joy. Uh, and, and, and fear takes root, number one, because of disobedience causes sin. Disobedience causes sin. We know that the unbeliever loses joy. If you're not a believer here today, you can't have the true joy of the Lord. If you don't know Jesus today here and your sins are not covered, you can act the part. You can act all tough and macho. You can come folding your chest out and telling me you're okay. But i got news for you. At night, there is no peace in your soul. If you are facing a life where the doctor said tomorrow it's over, I'm telling you what, there is no peace if you've got sin in your heart and you're an unbeliever. There can't be. And, and so so we know that, that, that the, the unrighteous, they are alarmed because the Bible tells us so. But it also alarms the Christian if we have something going on. When we hide a secret sin or when we, we fall back into something that, that is wrong. And we all do that from time to time. And when we do that and stay in that place, the Bible tells us that, that in that place, if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, Romans 13, 4 says. If you do that which is evil, be afraid. There it takes the peace. It steals the joy out of our heart. When Adam sinned, did he have peace? Did he have joy? No, the Bible says when God came, and God was probably going to offer him this wonderful grace that he offers all to us, but all of a sudden he calls out for Adam. Adam, where are you? And Adam's hiding. He's hiding behind the trees. He's hiding over there away from God. And that's what begins to happen. He was afraid. We were afraid of you, God. We thought you were mad. We thought you were going to get us. We thought you were going to smite us. And so all of a sudden, they have lost their joy because there is sin in their heart. Serving the Lord with gladness is impossible if there is sin in your heart. We have had a day of greasy grace. We've had a lot of grace preaching going on. A lot of hyper grace preaching. Listen, I don't believe you can preach grace too much, but we sure have preached it wrong in this nation for a long time and it's caused people to think that we can go on and have peace with God with sin in our heart. And God came to take that out of our life to give us life and to give it more abundantly. If you've got something in your heart today, listen and God already knows it's there. If you confess with your mouth, if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He wants to take that sin out of your life. He wants you to confess it, and He wants to take it out of there so you can have abundant life like the prodigal son. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have gladness. And so if there's sin in your life today, the greatest thing you can do is quit hiding it from God. Quit acting like it's not that bad is what it sounds like or what you think 
think and just confess it to Him. He's faithful and just to forgive you. So confess your sin before Him. If you can't get rid of it and you're still struggling in it, confess that as well. God, I've tried to get rid of the alcohol. God, I've tried to get rid of the pornography. God, I've tried to get rid of the lying tongue. But I keep wanting to impress people. I keep wanting to please people. God, you're going to have to give me the strength and you're going to have to take this away from me. Amen? Hallelujah. And so uh, we're, we're depressed because we're dishonest with God. The preacher makes the altar call. If anybody's got sin in their life, come forward. Not me. We're dishonest. We're liars. We're liars with God. God knows. Everybody else knows. You just don't know. The second thing, fear takes root because of tribulation and sorrow causes fear. And I think this is where a lot of us are today. Tribulation and sorrow cause fear. We've been under a pandemic. We've been under last days, things reeling to and fro. Volcanoes going off in Hawaii and earthquakes happening here and there. All sorts of fear taking root all over the earth. Tribulation and sorrow causes fear. David said, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. It's taken hold on my life. Watching a child suffer can take a toll on you. Watching a child suffer and go through something is hard. Watching someone waste away with cancer is difficult. Difficult watching them over and over again. It's unsettling to look at an uncertain future around us and to look at the bills that keep going worse and the stock market keeps teetering and having troubles and we see recession rising all over the face of the globe and bad decisions are being made by politicians that are going to drive it even worse and we start having uncertainty about the future and we begin to fear and we begin to forebode and we begin to worry about all of these things. Layoffs and fires and floods and what's going to happen? Am I going to have a place to live? Am I going to have somebody to take care of me? Am I going to make it through the days ahead? How are we going to make it through the days ahead? And after a while, our hearts just get weighed down with fear and more fear and more fear until the joy and gladness and mirth are gone out of our hearts. Amen? And we're warned against failing to rejoice in such times of suffering and trial. Pain must not rob us of Christ's joy. It must not. And we're warned of failing to rejoice when suffering and pain. I know that our flesh recoils at that. Like when Marcy was like talking about joy and I want to be miserable. That I recoil at that. It, gets, it kind of makes me a little ticked, a little peeved, right? And because my flesh hates it. But God wants to lay a cross on me and do something through it. He wants to change it so that I can be changed and bring joy to my life where I'm miserable. And listen to what Peter says about doing this in times of difficulty and pain. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice. Yeah, I didn't get a lot there. I didn't expect to get a lot, but maybe a little more. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may also be glad and exceeding joy. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 6.10 says. Paul goes on to say, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. 
Now, I'm struggling in that always category, but I'm asking God to help me because I've been pretty miserable lately. Suffering, yet always rejoicing. I hope I get it one day. I hope God just does it so deep and works this so deep within my life that He does it. Listen to what 1 Peter says in 1, 6-8. through 8, Wherein you greatly rejoice, although now for a season, if you need be, that you be in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen yet believed, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory because you know this thing is working something far better in you than you could ever imagine. Some of you have believed a lie for far too long and you need to believe what God says so that you can come out of your misery and do what Marcy says and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Hallelujah. This is written of those to those in seasons of anguish. That's who he's writing to. People who are being persecuted. People who are seeing loved ones die. People who are, are going through difficulty. And he's saying, I, hey, hang on. I know this is difficult. But rejoice in the Lord in this suffering because it's doing something. And he's saying, if, you need, if need be, you need to grieve for a minute. That's okay. Grieve. We're not, we're human. Grieve for a little while, he says. But after you've grieved for a little while, it's God's plan that his joy will be your strength. It's God's plan that his joy will come through and bring you out of this trial. For the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah says, is your strength. And he's saying, trust God because he knows what is happening and he will bring glory out of this trial, out of this tragedy, out of this thing that's going on. He's going to do it. So he, so, so, so that's what he tells us. He says, we're going through a furnace. And he tells us even more in the last days that we're going through a furnace, right? He tells us, folks. Read the book. He tells us over and over. What did he warn us of? Earthquakes, famines, pestilence, violence, betrayal. Listen to what he says. And here's what he says it's all about. You need to hear me good with both ears. He says, this coming on at the end of the age, do you know what it is? It is a snare. It is a trap to steal what? And it's working right now. You want to see the scripture? I don't think I got it up there, but here's what it says. Luke 21, 35. You ought to put this one on your refrigerator or your table or wherever you put those things. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. For it will come on a, as a snare on all, a trap. You know the little box? Come on, like cartoons, a little stick and a little box. The little animal gets under there, whoop. That's what the enemy's doing to you with all these things that are being allowed to come on the face of the earth. He wants to snare you. He wants to make you a miserable old coot. He wants to make you hate everybody and hate life. And be just ugly, bitter, and mean. As you can be. Ugly representative of, of a husband and wife that sit there and don't have two words to say to each other. You're just out eating, just texting away. Can't even say two nice words to each other. It's so full of hate and bitterness in the heart. So snared. So snared by the devil. Children and, and uh, all they ever hear is fussing and fighting in the home. No peace of God in there. 
Just, just, just absolutely snared. Come into church and there's such hatred. It's just as bad in here as it is with Democrats and Republicans out there and this one and that. Just as much out, uh, as going on fighting out there and dividing the world, it's coming into this place. A snare that is coming here and stealing our joy, stealing our gladness, stealing our love, right? If we have no joy, we have no strength. And that's what I've had not had the last few weeks, folks. Renew the joy of our salvation. Dear God, renew the joy of my salvation. Dear God, renew the joy of my salvation. I remember in 1994, you couldn't stop me, man. I was making copies on the copy machine. I was telling everybody. I used to love politics, and I was going through the office saying, vote for this guy, vote for this guy. Marcy knows that to be the truth. I'd tell him when election time was coming, hey, you voting? You need to vote for this one. Hey, that guy a scoundrel, this and that. And then all of a sudden I came to Jesus and now I got a new message. I'm coming through the office. Vote for this guy. Vote for this guy. This guy will change your life. This guy took away my sins. This guy changed me forever. This guy wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. But over the years I've gone through motions and I've become quite religious. And I've been bowed down. Don't do this. Don't do that. Read more. Pray more. Study more. Oh, God, it's drudgery. And I'm not telling people about Jesus like I used to. Do we have to go today? Yeah, you're the pastor. <laughs> God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You used to couldn't keep me out of church. You used to couldn't keep me out of revival service. You used to could not keep me out of getting there early, staying late. You used to could not keep me out of every being at functions, loving the people. Oh, you could not keep me. I didn't hide away. I didn't withdraw. It, I, I, I remember. I never shall forget the day. And I want to go back to that. And I recognize that I've got it. The enemy has snared me. He's done a number on me. And this last week, he's been dealing with me. And if that offends you, if your pastor got off on sidetrack, I'm sorry. I'm a human being. But I'm telling you what, I, I just had to confess it. And I want to be back where I was. I want the joy of the Lord as my strength. I want to hunger and thirst for him. I want to live for him. I want to burn for him. I want want to die for him. I just want to stay on fire and he's got to relight that flame within me because it's gone and it's been gone and he needs to renew the joy of my salvation. And so number one, first the reason joy is with him is because we've grown weary in the way. Number two, fear takes root. And number three is that we are ignorant of the glorious liberty of the, cho uh, of the children of God. We are ignorant of the glorious liberty. And you need to hear this. this is a, these three are, are, are life-giving because all of you, are uh, uh, dare to say, have troubles with one of these. And this one especially robbed my life and still tries to rob and snare me for so many years. And Daniel's going to teach about it this coming week. When you are bound by, by, by self-righteousness and works, it's misery. 
when you're not assured of your salvation, when you are not confident God loves you, and you're not confident that he's going to keep you, and you're not confident that you're going to make it to heaven, you are not joyful. I got news for you. When you fail, you are, you are, you are like Martin Luther. You're ready to crawl on glass. You're ready to beat your back with some more penance. You're ready to read more, study more, pray more, do more, because you've got to make some stuff up to God. And I'm going to tell you what, that is a misery. And if you're ignorant of the glorious liberty of the children, of God. Paul was not ignorant of the glorious liberty of the children of God. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 3.17 Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. Never allow... We're talking about people who have never allowed the cross to set them free from all the fear and bondage that, that is on us as, as people. That, that you cannot rejoice exceedingly glad. When I, I come in here and I fail. If I failed this week, like I failed in this area. If I fail and I come in here and we begin to sing songs, oh live in he love me, die in he save me. I begin to get lifted up out of Brad and say, you know what Brad it's really not about you, it's about him. And then I remember about buried he carried me so far away, rising he justified, freed me forever and one day he's coming back for me and what he began in me he will continue to perform it and to work it on to completion until the coming of Jesus Christ. And when I begin to remember the cross, when I remember to remember the sacrifice, when I remember how deep that he went and how far he went to give me eternal life, and I remember that it's so secure. And Paul understood this liberating cross, and it meant freedom. Listen to what he says in Galatians 5. He says, Brethren, you have been called to liberty. Now stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. He's talking about don't go back to works and don't go back to the law. He's not talking about your sin. Your sin got carried away and buried. You're going to mess up again, folks. You don't want to mess up. But if this gets worked into you, the love of God is going to cause you to flee from sin. You'll be like Joseph running out of Potiphar's wife. You're going to run because you love him and because he's changed you inside and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Not because you pulled yourself up by some bootstraps and you mustered up enough strength. You never have enough strength to do that. And he's never going to let your flesh glory in him, in his presence. And so, what we have been saved from, Paul says, causes rejoicing. And that bothers me sometimes. I, I don't want you to turn cartwheels and shout. and You, know, you don't want to be as loud as me and exuberant. But I'm going to tell you what, there, it, it ought to do something in you. It ought to do something in you. When I preach, it ought to do something in you when you're reminded of the, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It ought to take you back. If not, I don't know if you really understand the depth of your sin. I don't know if you really understand what you got free from. And if you don't really understand what you got free from, then you really don't need a big Savior. You just kind of need a small Savior. And if you got a small Savior, He really doesn't mean that much to you. And Paul says, Paul says, under, he, said, he said, not only rejoice in what we've been saved out of, that that should cause rejoicing, and what, but what we've been brought into. Liberty, listen to what it means. It means freedom or release from slavery. See, I'm, I, I'm not glad I did 
but I'm glad I did. I, I, I'm glad that I, that, 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 that I, I know that, that God showed me the depth of what I was bound to. I'm unashamedly say, I, was, I, I drank, I cursed, I, I, I did everything that I said I wouldn't do. I, I, everything I said I wouldn't do, I did it. And you know what? And it was, it was horrific. And then pornography like crazy. I did these things and they were horrible. And, that, and some of them I couldn't get free from. And I did them. I, I cursed the Lord's name. I used it in vain constantly over and over but I tell you what when God finally made me aware of just how wicked I was and just how sick I was and just how bad I needed a savior I'm going to tell you what it caused me to love him because I can't believe he would forgive me and love me a scoundrel like that and I remember what he set me free because I couldn't come out of it. I tried all my life. I tried religion. I tried church. I tried to preach hard enough. I tried to do this. I tried to do that. I tried to read enough. I had so many books in my library. I was read them. That's all I did when I first got saved was read books because I was trying to fix me. Because I came into church and everybody looked so perfect. And I'm at home trying to be perfect and I can't. And I just got things oozing out of me that I try to not do this, and yet it comes out of me. The old man is coming out, but I'm new. I'm a new creation. I've been changed. I'm doing new things, but there's still some old things that are seeping out of me and that are, that are coming out. But I can't go tell all the people in church. They'll throw me out. At least I thought that. You're not like that, but, 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 but liberty means freedom or release from slavery. He released me from those things. He let me out of prison. The Spirit of the Lord. Jesus shows up and humanity's bound. And here's what he says. I mean, they're bound. They're crippled. They're lame. They're blind eyes. I mean, it has affected everybody. And he comes. There's funerals going on everywhere. And he says this. The very thing that comes in the temple, he opens the book to Isaiah 61. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is now up on me. And he has come to me. It's come upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty to the captives. I'm coming to set you free. I'm coming to set you free. I'm coming to break every chain. That's why some people get excited when we sing those songs. And you might not get excited. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Because they were bound. And no bolt cutters could do it. And no drug rehab could do it. And no pastor could do it. And no laying of hands could do it. And not reading enough Bible passages could do it. But Jesus broke through and did it. And joy is also gone because we do not fully accept Christ's full gift of free grace. Which we're going to talk about Wednesday night. Joy is gone because we don't fully appreciate and receive the grace of God. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sins. And some of us don't have grace. Or, and you haven't received grace. You think you still got to work. You think you still got to prove something to God. And that's misery. 
Because how much do you have to prove to Him? How much do you have to do to satisfy Him? How much do you have to do to, to keep up with, with the demand? You can't. There's no way. And joy is gone when we do not fully accept the free gift of grace. When we seem to forget that He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. We simply cannot grasp that God is not angry at repentant children. That has been the hardest thing to work into Brad Lindsay. I am not mad at repentant Repentant children. I am not mad at repentant children. I love my children. I discipline my children, but I'm not mad at my children. I love them, amen, with an everlasting love. My loving kindness towards them is so good. I love you, Brad. So I close with this. So let the saints. Be joyful in glory. And it's demonstrated. Listen to what he says. That, that's what Psalms 149 says. The Lord takes pleasure in His children. So let the saints be joyful in glory. So let the saints be joyful. Because the Lord takes pleasure in His children. Now listen, I'm going to close with Ezra. Because this is demonstrated so well in the book of Ezra. And, and Nehemiah took on the task of rebuilding Jerusalem. You remember, he restored the law. Uh, made the, the Israelites become obedient again. Jerusalem was in ruins. The gates were burned the, with fire. The walls were in decay and crumbling. The people had become lawless, disobedient, wicked, sounds like today. The wealthy were charging high interest rates. Come on, amen. And, and uh, hey, hey, and, and, and they were intermingling with idol worship. They were marrying heathen wives. And God was about to revive Zion. God is unbelievable. He just amazes me. He amazes me because he, he, why would He do this? He's so merciful. He's so loving. He's so good. He's so kind. And God is about to revive. Just when we think He's about to come down and smite them, He's about to show them His loving kindness. And so He's about to deal with. with with Zion. And here's what he says. The, uh, a spirit of sorrow was going to come. A spirit of repentance that was going to be poured out. God Please, please pour out a spirit of repentance on me, on the, on the churches in America, all across this nation. Just not because we deserve it, but for your name's sake. Just do it like you did here. And listen to what happened, and this is kind of just paraphrased in Nehemiah 8, 8 through 1. Here's what began to happen. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man. They're unified as one people. And look what begins to happen. They came together in the streets that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra, the scribe, bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on the pulpit of wood. He opened the book. And when he did, this is where we all get, and we can get religious doing this, but the people stood up when the word was read, right? Now, we get people that beat you over the head with that because we just get religious. With it. If you want to know where that came from, that's probably where that came from. But the people of the Lord stood up in reverence, and so they read the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So God, they read the book, and God, because their hearts are sorrowful and they're repenting, God is moving over them, and He's causing them to understand the Word. I'll be honest, the other day my heart was so hardened, 
and my heart was so just weighed down. I told, I told my, I, I couldn't understand. I've never gone through a season of time where I, since I've been saved where I literally could not understand what I was reading. I was terrified. I was like, God, am I ever going to understand your book again? I was just like, I can get no revelation here. There's nothing coming to me. I can't, I, I'm not getting anything when I'm praying. I'm not getting anything when I'm reading. I was becoming more miserable because of that, because I was feeling so distant from God. And so all of a sudden, I was just worrying about that. But here the people are. They were, they were there, and they stood, and the law is being read. And it caused them to understand the reading. And all of a sudden, the Word of God goes forth. They gladly hear it. They understand. They repent. And the Scriptures record in verse 9, the people began to weep when they heard the words of the law. Oh, that we would begin to weep. Oh, that we wouldn't laugh and cut up. Oh, that we wouldn't yawn. Oh, that we wouldn't just say, hurry up and get over with the preach. Can, can you not preach a little shorter preach? Oh, if we could just, you know, and just, oh, if we could listen and God would speak to us and we would hear the words of the law like today. And rather than just say, oh, time to go, altar call. Uh, you know, we, no, we would, we would participate and we would weep. We would weep. We would weep for our soul. We would weep for us. We would weep, all of us, in this room. And they mourned for their sins. They grieved. They sorrowed in repentance, true repentance. And after repentance, the presence of the Lord is here. Like it was for me this morning. The presence of the Lord is here. I had that song when this message came breaking through. It's like, God, that song, I don't care what you think about it. I don't know why God put it on my heart. I feel it in the atmosphere. And that's what I was doing in my little chair by myself. The presence of the Lord is here. <laughs> you know, you'll hear it in a minute. It's much better than that. But enjoy return to my heart. Rejoicing. And listen, here Nehemiah and Ezra stood before the throne, weep, before those weeping, and they proclaimed this now. It's a day of joy and gladness. And look what they said in verse 9 through 10. This day is holy unto the Lord. Mourn not, weep not, neither be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. No more depression. No more grief, no more condemnation. They had truly repented and now it was time to rejoice. No more, no, no more sadness. And the people went their way. They left there to make great mirth. That means happiness. They left today, like I want you to leave this place today, to go make great mirth, great happiness, because they understood the words that were declared to them. And that's what I'm believing today. We're going to leave this place and we're going to create mirth. We're going to create gladness out in our communities, out in this world. We're going to create gladness in our home, with our spouses, with our children. I'm not saying, I'm not saying be fake. I don't want us to be fake in here. I'm not saying be honest with people when we have a bad day. You need people to talk to. I thank God. I was telling Cindy, I thank God when I'm down, I have believers and people that I can confide in. And I can say, I'm struggling. Pray for me. And usually by the time we finish talking, I'm happy again. Or I'm feeling better again. But I'm talking about we be real with each other, but there is also a joy that comes from understanding God's message of freedom. You need to understand this one foundational truth today. God was completely satisfied in Jesus Christ. He's completely satisfied in the sacrifice on the cross. Listen to this. I was praying with a friend yesterday. We pray once a month. 
And man, this was the precursor to, he didn't know, I, I should have been more honest with him, but I was so down, I just didn't even tell him, sadly, and he's a very, I might would have come out of it sooner, but I, I, I just let that go, and my heart was so way down, I, I got through the prayer, God was merciful, we prayed, we had a good time praying, but one thing he said in that prayer, I mean, to me in there, that just resonated, he said this, Daniel, he said, he said, when the priest inspected the, 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 when, they, when the person came with their animal, their sacrifice, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't inspect the person. He inspected the sacrifice. And some of you need to hear that because I needed to hear that. Because I've been inspecting me. And I've been saying, God, am I presentable? No, you're not and you never will be. But that lamb standing before you who takes away the sin of the world, he's presentable. Give him to me. And I'm going to clothe you with his righteousness. And you'll be clean and I'll see you as clean. I'll see my son in you, not you. Amen.